Hello, humans. Hello, hello, hello. Good morning, Monday morning to you. This is Ellie Krug with Ellie 2.0 Radio. How are you? And guess what? I'm live. Here I am. Yep, live, 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 live. We're here early on Monday morning at the enormous AM 950 studios uh, to come to you and talk to you about politics and idealism and all kinds of stuff. I have a wonderful special guest who will be on the show, Richard Painter, whom I understand does make the the rounds, but I've never interviewed him. And I'm going to talk to him not about the usual political stuff. I'm going to talk to him about idealism practical idealism, what makes him tick. And so, um, and when I do that, uh, I'll invite your calls because I would love for you to talk with him or I'd love to hear from you. You know, I've not been live on this show since February. And when I called in while I was on my great Southern road trip, listening and speaking road trip, and I called it, I called in to do a live interview from Montgomery, Alabama. So this is only the second time LE 2.0 has been live. And regular listeners, you know what's coming now. Sorry, but for new listeners who have never heard me before, yes, my name is Ellie Krug. I am a woman, but you're hearing what sounds like a man's voice, and that's because I'm one of the relatively few transgender radio hosts in the world. So, yes, and that and $3.43 at Caribou will get you a cup of hot chocolate. So, um, there, that's the last time I'll say it on the show. Um, You know I have three blocks on this show. Uh, My A block, I always talk about um, someone who who is an idealist, and I want to talk about a political idealist, one that many, many um, Minnesotans are very, very well familiar with, and that would be about Paul Wellstone. Um, And I know, particularly for listeners on this station, that the name Paul Wellstone is sacred, Um, that, that, that it is a name that evokes a lot of emotion. And it is about that evoking emotion really is what I am talking about when I talk about idealism. Because the fact that we get emotional over one person, over what he stood for, over the work that he did, that, that in and of itself is the rippling that comes from idealism. And so I'm just, you know, and I think I could probably devote two shows to talking about Paul Wellstone. But let me uh, just give you some background, and then I'm going to give quote, give some quotes from Paul, and uh, and I'll give you my my take. So Paul was educated, uh, born on the East Coast, born in Washington D.C. to an educated family, and um, he was educated there, um, and then came to uh, Minnesota to teach at Carleton College in 1969, height of the Vietnam War. And he went to Carleton to teach political science. Now, before he went to Carleton, he did a um, he did his doctoral thesis, on um, and it was uh, titled uh, "Quote Black Militants in the Ghetto: Why They Believe in Violence." Unquote. The fact that he did that type of thesis. Um, obviously tells me something about him, that he wasn't doing his ordinary, what would be probably a far more traditional uh, thesis to get your PhD in political science. And and something happened to Paul um, when he got to Carleton. I don't, and I, uh, you know, I don't know his story well enough to tell you that I can put my finger on it, but something happened. And he went, I mean, think of it. Uh, It looked like he had been on track his entire life to get into a college to teach, to get on a tenured track, and that's where he was at Carleton College. We know that, um, you know, just from experience, tenure, something that many college professors want. Um, One of the things that you don't do um, as you're waiting to get tenure, as you're being um, vetted for whether you're worthy of tenure, is you don't rock the boat. And it looks like Paul Wellstone um, totally ignored that rule. And as soon as he got to Northfield to teach at Carleton, 
he started doing community organizing. He reached out um, to the poor in Rice County, and he organ and he founded organized and founded um, an organization named Organization for a Better Rice County that focused on the working poor and single mothers. But he didn't stop there. I mean, he wasn't in Minnesota even a year before he was at um, at a sit-in at the federal building in downtown Minneapolis in 19, early 1970. Now remember, the Vietnam War is still raging. And he was part of a sit-in and he was arrested um, in that sit-in. I can just imagine what the trustees at Carleton College were thinking of this man. Something happened to Paul Wellstone to make him understand what it meant to be other. I, I, it just did, and I, I don't know the exact um, catalyst for that, but he began to understand what it meant to be, quote-unquote, other in our society. You know, in this phrase, otherness, we're, we call it otherness now. Um, and, you know, in the 60s and 70s, they had other words for it, you know. And, um, uh, but still, it's about having the ability to transcend your values for yourself, to understand that you need to, to look at the value for society at large, as well as what it's like to walk in the shoes of other people. And so, you know, Wellstone is there. He's at Carleton. He's this, he's got to believe, a radical political science professor. He's, um, you know, the students are enamored with him. And, uh, and Wellstone is doing, getting arrested. And it did not make uh, the, uh, it did not make the, the folks at Carleton are very happy, the trustees. And in fact, they fired Paul um, in, uh, the, in 1970. But the students uh, engaged in a sit-in. That, that would be Paul's students. Uh, they engaged in a sit-in, and they, and they forced the trustees not only to reinstate Wellstone, but to also grant him tenure. You know, Unbelievable. And, and so he went from 1970 till, um, you know, uh, 1990, ran uh, for uh, Secretary of State in Minnesota, did not uh, get there because uh, he was talking about things that Secretary of State candidates don't talk about, like the farm crisis. But in 1990, you will remember that he ran for the Senate against Rudy, against, uh, Rudy Boschwitz. Um, and he was a definite underdog in 1990. But as we saw, you know, in the 2016 election with Bernie Sanders, Paul was able to reach out and cross a lot of barriers and motivate college students and the poor and the people and people of color to come out and vote for him, not only to vote, but to campaign for him. And they did that because Paul Wellstone wasn't simply a politician. In fact, I don't know if he would have even wanted <clears throat> That phrase. Uh, remember, um, his most famous saying was that he represented uh, the Democratic wing of the Democratic Party. No, people were willing to come out for Paul Wellstone because he championed human issues. He worked with the Hmong. He was among the first um, uh, candidates and then elected officials to work with the Hmong. And he championed veterans, particularly those who had been exposed to radiation during the 1950s and 60s um, during the course of open-air bomb, nuclear bomb tests that our government engaged in. And he opposed the war that would be not only the Vietnam War, but then the wars in the Middle East. And he voted against the Gulf One War in 1991. And then again, he voted against the the. Uh, Iraq War in 2002, um, but you know, he 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 did uh, support the idea of sending our troops to Somalia, Haiti, and Bosnia to help people get past their differences. You know, he was. Of course, we know this is why he appealed to us, because he had the ability to talk to us. His, Paul's brother suffered from mental illness, which Paul, pushed Paul to um, push for legislation to make changes in mental health insurance laws. And after his death, 
with the efforts of Paul's son David and former First Lady Rosalind Carter, um, Congress passed the Paul Wellstone and Pete Domenici Health Parity and Addiction Equality Act of 2008, which required um, and continues to require equal coverage of physical and emotional illnesses, and which uh, was the genesis in part for the ACA. Now, we know that Paul and his wife and his daughter, as well as several others, were killed in a plane crash uh, near Eveleth um, in October of 2002, not, uh, just days before the election for Paul's third, third term as a senator. Paul was survived and continues to be survived by two uh, children, his sons David and Mark, and they have gone on to create the Wellstone Action which uh, is training progressive candidates on community organizing and political stability. That work um, and carrying on what Paul Wellstone stands for is really about looking out for humans who are invisible, like the single moms of Rice County and the children who lack voices. There are a couple of um, there are a couple of uh, there. Uh, sorry, there are a couple of say, of quotes that I'd like to give uh, for Paul Wellstone. Um, one of those is that the future will not belong to those who sit on the sidelines. The future will not belong to the cynics. The future will belong to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. That is so incredibly idealistic. Paul Wellstone, Minnesotan, hero, idealist. We'll be back with Richard Painter in a second. Hi, this is Charlie. My dad is Minnesota's wildly popular and handsome radio host, Matt McNeil. Did I say that right, Dad? Perfect! When I got my driver's license, my parents let me drive a Sienna from Rudy Luther Toyota. I love it. It's easy, comfortable, and hauls all my baseball gear. And my parents love the safety. That's why they wanted me in the Sienna. Thanks to Rudy Luther Toyota, my son is safe as he begins his driving adventure. We're a two Sienna family thanks to Rudy Luther Toyota. Visit them today in Golden Valley at 169 and 394. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years. Celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. This is Dan Brooks, Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor with RBC Wealth Management. For the past 19 years, I've been managing wealth for individuals, institutions, and corporate retirement plan sponsors. Throughout my career, I have seen common traits in successful investors. They include the courage to be diversified, the willingness to work with a professional, the discipline to follow a plan, and patience. I welcome the opportunity to help contribute to your financial success. Call me at 612-371-2396. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming, 
For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. We are back on LE 2.0 Radio. Hello, hello, everyone. We are back. Remember, we are live. uh, And I've got Richard Painter here that I'm going to talk to in a second. But we would, if you want, call in at 952-946-6205. Feel free to ask Richard a question or me. You know what, listeners? I've been doing this show for half a year. I've not ever been able to take a call to find out what you think of LE 2.0. So I'd love to hear that as well. Good or bad. I mean, preferably good. Richard Painter, you're here in the audience, here in the station with me. How are you? Very well, thank you. I'm really happy to have you here, thrilled to have you here, Richard. And, um, you know, we've got some things in common. We're both uh, we're both lawyers. That helps a little bit. Um, uh, you know, I told you when uh, we set up your appearance here on the show that, Yes, I'm, I'm happy for you to talk about some of your campaign things, but I really wanted to talk to you about idealism. Mm-hmm. Now, you may not know this, but I call myself a practical idealist, okay? So, um, and by that I mean I, I believe in transcending values, about getting beyond me and, believe, and working for the better good of all humans, but doing it in, not on a pie-in-the-sky basis, but with some practical realism involved. So... How about you? What what do you consider yourself an idealist? And if so, what made you that way? Well, I think uh, that you know, there's certain ideals we have in a democracy of having a uh, society that um, where there's equal representation and uh, some fairness and uh, distribution of the wealth. That doesn't mean everybody is is exactly equal, but there's equal opportunity and a social safety net. A certain fundamental values that we have as a society. Uh, we get those values from uh, our religious beliefs, our philosophical beliefs, a wide range of sources. But we try to work together as a society and make, um, uh, make our, uh, our world a better place and uh, protect the environment we live in. Uh, and then the question is, how do, we, how do we do that? And that's where the practical side comes in. Uh, how do we have a health care system that provides uh, health care for everybody at a reasonable cost so well, we don't have health care just eating up uh, you know, a third of our gross national yeah. product? Richard, uh, I'm going to interrupt you, though, because I'm actually interested in you. So how did you get to be who you are? I mean, you, you, go, to, you go to Yale uh, Law School, right? Oh, yeah. That was I, 31 I, years ago. I know it was. <laughs> You know, I learned a lot you, you, since then. You were, but you were you at Yale. You you were. I mean, you started uh, being vocal about things, you know. Um, but what was it in your background that caused you to feel that first of all you had the right to speak up, and uh, what caused you to do it eventually? I mean, how did you get the guts to do it? Well, I'm not sure what my my background. I mean, I. I, you know, I had a lot of opportunities that other people didn't have. I mean, going to school and my parents able to uh, pay for me to go to college. And, um, you know, I saw a lot of people who had a lot less than I did uh, who are not doing, uh, are not doing well. And it's, uh, you know, I, I thought, gee, I ought to do something to make, uh, make the world a better place. Uh, I am um, a Christian. I'm very much involved in my church. Uh, I happen to uh, fear very strongly. It's... Uh, it's important to, to God's will of helping other people. Uh, I differ very strongly from these people who run around using the uh, Christian faith to attack people and make stuff up. Uh, you know, I, I, you know I, I just think I have an obligation here in this world uh, to make it a better place. And was that something that your parents taught you, or did you have some kind of experience as you were growing up? I mean... So, you know, and listeners, uh, I'll just remind you, if you want, give us a call at 952-946-6205. So, I mean, you know, I, I will share with you, I mean, in my household, I mean, I grew up uh, lower at first, uh, lower middle class, um, uh, and then overnight jumped up to upper middle class because my father got a huge promotion in the way he worked, and we moved from New Jersey to Iowa. It's a long story, but but in our household, coming around our table were people, because my father worked in Iowa, he brought a bunch of people from New York. Around the table, we had, we had black people, we had Asian people, we had Jews. Around my dinner table every Sunday, my household on Sunday 
dinner was at three o'clock in the afternoon. That's, you know, that's the big meal kind of thing. And I got to hear what all these people had to say. That was transformative for me as well as some other things. So I'm asking, did you have some kind of experience? Well, certainly uh, role models in my family. My, my father is a lawyer, law professor as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I still remember him talking about what was going on in the Nixon administration and how, you know, important it was to stand up uh, for what's right. Uh, and, uh, you know, I remember him talking about what happened to Archie Cox, the special prosecutor who got fired. Yeah. Um, my grandfather uh, was a was in the investment business, never made a ton of money, but was an honest man, worked hard and, uh, uh, you know, really worked well with the, with the others. And they, they didn't think about just how much money are we going to make. They thought about uh, how can we contribute to our community uh, and work together. Um, it's a, it a different world back then in many ways. Uh, uh, you know, what I've seen in the past uh, couple of decades, the increasing amount of greed on Wall Street, the uh, you know political polarization, the hatred, the misuse of, of the Christian faith. I go back, I've grown up in the church, and you know, the stuff you're hearing from the religious right, just it's not the stuff you learned in Sunday school, uh, at least when I was a kid. Um, and it's certainly not stuff my kids are learning in Sunday school. The abuse of uh, the 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 uh, of religion, of Christian faith, to uh, attack people. We've got Scott Pruitt destroying the environment. All that. I mean, it's completely contrary to everything I learned growing up um, about uh, uh, you know what our role is in the world. Well, and you know, I just got done talking about um, Paul Wellstone, and there was a quote I w- wanted to read, but I wasn't able to because we had the the break. But I'm going to read it right now, and I'd ask just for your what your take is on it. So um, in August of 98, Paul Wellstone um, gave an interview to Tickham, uh, Tickham uh, magazine, and he, and he said this, we need a new kind of citizenship so that we can see citizens as themselves earning the rank of patriot because of their involvement in their community affairs. We as a society need to be encouraging people to focus not just on individual wants, but on serving the larger community. Unquote. What do you think about that? Do you is agree it, with that? Well, he's absolutely right. Uh, our uh, society would not be uh, where it is today. Our country would not be where it is today if people uh, didn't think that uh, way. I mean, imagine the early settlers who would come over in uh, the 1700s, uh, the Mayflower. I mean, gee, if they just said, well, it's just every man for himself or every person for himself, I mean, wouldn't have survived. I mean, the early settlers who came out to Minnesota. Uh, the uh, Native American tribes, uh, you know, never uh, lived that way. Just every every person for themselves. Uh, a, a community cannot survive. The human race cannot survive unless people work together uh, and uh, uh, try to build a better community. Uh, so uh, Senator Wellstone is absolutely right about that. Well, um, uh, Richard, when we come back from our break, um, I want to talk with you more about your philosophy, and then you can talk. Uh, I want to specifically ask you about your position on immigration. Uh, listeners, if you want to call in at 952-946-6205, this is Ellie Krug. I've been interviewing Richard Painter. We've been talking um, maybe a little bit different uh, kinds of questions of what, Richard, you usually get about what makes you tick and how you got here. Um, and listeners, I'd love to hear from you. Um, and uh, if you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com or um, email me at lejkrug at gmail.com. I'm starting to hear from listeners. It'd be great. Thank you. We'll be back. Hi, everybody. Make plans to attend the one and only Powderhorn Art Fair on Saturday and Sunday, August 4th and 5th in the heart of South Minneapolis and picture-perfect Powderhorn Park. Experience and purchase original artwork from more than 230 artists. Spend time with your family and friends creating your own work of art at over half a dozen art stations. And don't forget to grab a bite to eat from over 25 different food trucks. So join us on Saturday, August 4th from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Or Sunday, August 5th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. or both. The Powderhorn Art Fair is proudly brought to you by Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association in collaboration with the Minneapolis Park and Recreation Board with a generous gift from the Metropolitan Regional Art Council. Again, join us for over 230 artists, 25 food trucks, and six arts experiences on August 4th and 5th. 
So we'll see you there at one of the most local art fairs around. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. It's a good day to be indigenous. Native Earths Radio presents I'm Awake. Our weekly Native American talk radio show will discuss national and local Native American news and events. Local and national guests will help us keep current with Mother Earth, tribal, and Twin City issues. Native American issues are human issues. We invite all people to walk hand-in-hand with our struggles, victories, and achievements. Listen Saturdays at 2 p.m. I am awake. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. With your M950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Today will be mostly sunny with a high near 82, while tonight's partly cloudy with a low around 63. Tomorrow will be sunny with a high near 84, Wednesday partly sunny with a high near 77, and Thursday mostly sunny with a high near 74. Ferndale Market is a third-generation turkey farm that was started in Cannon Falls, Minnesota. Their turkeys are raised without antibiotics, and you can find them in lots of local grocery stores all over the state. Open seven days a week and just 30 minutes south of the cities. More details at ferndalemarketonline.com. And we are back on AM 950. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug, on Ellie 2.0 Radio. I've got Richard Painter here in the studio. We've been talking a little bit about what makes him tick, a little bit about how he got involved um, with politics. And, you know, and Richard, you have, um, from early on, I mean, just from law school, you, you've you been somebody who's spoken out. Well, I've tried to. Um, I became very interested in um, lawyers' ethics, um, in law school and after I graduated from law school and the role of business lawyers uh, in uh, representing uh, public companies and saw a lot of stuff going on on Wall Street I didn't like. Uh, that's where I started my career practicing law in New York and then I went to law teaching at the University of Oregon back in 1993 and uh, I've been teaching lawyers ethics uh, ever since then. Um, and uh, you know, I, I once again, I, I think it's so important uh, that lawyers uh, and others uh, think about what they can do to make the world a better place. It's not just about what can I do for myself or my clients, right? Well, and and I mean, we're we're in a society right now. I mean, where uh, the idea that I, I'm going to get mine, you know, and the heck with you, uh, is really prevailing in a lot of ways, although. I see um, a society of society a great deal because I train and speak on human inclusivity, where p- I find where people are hungry for us to get beyond um, selfishness and uh, will, and people wanting want to know the pathway. How do how do I reach out to people who are other? How do I reach out to people who are different? Um, and and so well, we don't need to go down that pathway. Tell me. First of all, on the break, we were talking yesterday. You did this Facebook Live, Twitter Live feed for, what, eight hours? Yes, we had some breaks there, but we had eight hours. We opened up the, both Facebook and Twitter uh, Live, had questions from anybody who wanted to ask questions uh, about my views on a wide range of issues and my experience uh, uh, working with people in both of the political parties and independents. And, um, it was a, it was a f- 
really a fascinating uh, time for me to, to hear people's questions and uh, opinions, and it was it was great. What was the toughest question you got yesterday, Richard? I, I don't remember them being tough. Um, I mean, of course, I had a lot of people wondering about my experience working uh, in the uh, George W. Bush um, White House as the chief ethics lawyer and trying to keep everybody out of jail. Um, <laughs> a lot of it was uh, financial conflicts of interest work. Um, working with very rich people and explain to them they couldn't own, for example, lots of Goldman Sachs stock while they worked in the Treasury Department. And um, and that was, you know, I was, I was trying to explain to people what, what a White House ethics lawyer does. It's not supposed to be a partisan uh, political job. My job was essentially the same as the ethics lawyer in the Clinton administration and uh, the ethics lawyer in the Obama administration. And just like the ethics lawyer in the Clinton administration didn't get wound up in the, uh, you know, the president's uh, sexcapades or whatever, uh, the ethics lawyer in the Bush administration didn't get involved in the Iraq War and the various things that went wrong there. Uh, so, um, but explain what ethics lawyers do in trying to monitor financial conflicts of interest, uh, which is part of what can go wrong in, uh, in any administration. We've got too many financial conflicts of interest, as we're obviously finding out with Donald Trump. Well, and listeners, uh, we're talking to uh, Richard Painter. If you want to call in, I know it's early on a Monday and you're just getting started and where the heck is my coffee? Um, the number is 952-946-6205. So, Richard, I've gone on your website. I've looked at um, some of your positions. Um, and thank you for having a favorable position for LGBTQ humans. But, you know, missing from your website was anything about immigration. I uh, didn't see any position that you have there. And I'd, I'd like to know what your position is on what's going on south of the border right now, at the border, excuse me, and how do you feel about people coming to this country illegally? All right. Well, um, I've got to fix a website there because I've tweeted a lot about this. Uh, first of all, what's going on on the southern border is absolutely outrageous, uh, uh, you know, where they're incarcerating people and separating the parents from the children. And, and this is just, uh, you know, president's trying to be mean and uh, cruel to people. Why? Because he wants to pressure Congress to build his wall, just like now he wants to shut down the government if he doesn't get his wall. Uh, the wall idea is, of course, very stupid. It's not, you know, a lot of people come here illegally, just simply fly in and overstay their visa. Building a wall on the southern border is just his way of putting up a great big middle finger to, to Mexico and throw in a few more racist comments and it feeds his base, but it isn't going to do anything. Uh, to address the immigration problem. What we need to do to address the immigration problem is start with people already here. People have been here three or five years. Just say, look, we're going to find you a path to citizenship. People may have come here illegally, but the fact of the matter is they're employed by Americans. Uh, they've been part of our society. Uh, people wouldn't be coming here if there weren't Americans offering them jobs. And, uh, you know, after all, a lot of people came to our country, to America, without permission, that started with the Mayflower in 1620. They didn't ask permission to come. They just came. Native Americans didn't give them any permission. And fortunately, I guess they had an amnesty program there in a place in Plymouth, Massachusetts. <laughs> uh, so, you know, this idea you can't have amnesty. I mean, it's crazy. These people say, well, no amnesty, no amnesty. Now i got to run to one of these crazy you know, right-wing churches and, and, and say the Lord's Prayer. I guess they just forget the last line of the Lord's Prayer there. I mean, you know. Forgive us our trespasses. Give me a break. I, and we've had so many people come to this country uh, without permission, starting with the Mayflower, going all the way up through. We didn't even have immigration laws restricting entry to, uh, to the United States till, till after the Civil War. And then we've had a lot of people coming here um, uh, is, you know, without permission, so-called illegally since then, who have gotten jobs and uh, have been hired by Americans. We had others who came here legally, went through the process, like Donald Trump's grandfather came from Germany, came over here and ran a, a apparently a, a flop house uh, out in Alaska somewhere. Uh, you know, the point is we've had all sorts of people come to America. This is a country of immigrants, and everybody's an immigrant except for the Native Americans who arrived here, uh, uh, you know, centuries before, millennia before uh, the rest of us. But uh, you know, this uh, racist rhetoric being used towards immigrants is hyping up the debate. It's ridiculous. What they need to do is just path to citizenship for people who've been here for three to five years. Um, you know, draw the line somewhere. Path to citizenship for everybody. That obviously includes the DACA uh, uh, people and so forth. 
And then uh, if we're going to tighten up an immigration, uh, focus on the employers. If employers are employing people who don't have uh, the green card or citizenship, uh, you hit them with a fine. They do it again, you hit them with a bigger fine. But focus on the demand side there. Um, because that's what's going on, uh, and including the Trump Organization. I believe hired a number of people were here illegally as well when they were building the buildings in New York and New Jersey. So focus on the employers. That's the way to, to tighten up going forward. Uh, but we need the path to citizenship for the people who've already been here. They're part of our community. They're Americans just as American as the rest of us. Well, all right. But what about the, the folks that just keep coming? I mean, Here's my take on it is this. I mean, we're at full employment. Uh, we can't find enough people as it is. And here we are trying to, res- we're restricting the supply of potential employees um, in this country. Um, and it, it just, to me, it seems really crazy what we're doing. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. Yeah, we certainly can't, we can't absorb more immigrants. Um, you know, I think our priority has got to be uh, legal status for people already here. Uh, because they've been part of our community. Uh, and the idea of throwing people out is just absurd. Uh, so I think we ought to uh, make sure we've absorbed people already here and that they know they got a path to citizenship. Uh, and that's got to be our number one priority because those people are part of our society. Their children go to school here. Uh, people who've been working here, employed by Americans, while law enforcement just looks the other way. And the idea of kicking people out is just cruel. So I want to start with that and then think through how many more people we can absorb uh, without having a, a risk that when the economy is going to go to recession. Uh, we, we, got, we are at full employment right now. But with Donald Trump in there, the way he's running the economy, uh, you know, they're feeding the bubble. And, you know, I think we're going to have some trouble down the road. And, you know, we don't want to have massive unemployment either. So it's a very difficult, uh, you know, the balance is, is going to be difficult. Uh, but we don't want the racist rhetoric, the, the, the attacks on immigrants, the cruel treatment of people at the border. I mean, that is just very destructive. All right. Well, thank you for that. Uh, let's talk. Uh, um, we've got uh, three and a half minutes left. Let's talk about greed. What do you think that? What, what has caused Americans, um, those in power, to be so greedy now? How did we lose that transcending value? What do you think it was? Well, I don't think we um, remember uh, the, you know, the, the experience we've had in the past as a human civilization when there's too much greed and selfishness. Uh, and I remember uh, comparing... Um, um, my grandfather lived in New York City uh, to a young man who was in the real estate industry named Donald Trump back in the 80s. And my granddad was, was in his late 70s, early 80s uh, when I got to, um, uh, you know, went off to college, visited him in New York. He was a banker, uh, never made a ton of money. But a lot of the people he worked with had gone through uh, World War II and what had happened in the Great Depression. And people in his firm who had emigrated from Germany just to get out and, uh, uh, before uh, the Holocaust. And people understood that it didn't matter how much money you made if all of civilization falls apart, which is what happened during the Second World War, um, that we're in this together. And uh, you know, isn't it about me, me, me? Uh, it's a very different approach, uh, the way they ran their firms. I mean, you were personally liable for the debts of your firm. My grandfather lived in a rent control apartment. They didn't act like they were, you know, all hoity-toity and, and everything. And then, you know, up on Fifth Avenue, going up there in uh, uh, 1981 or so, was this great big black and gold building called the Trump Tower. And uh, Donald Trump running around New York, uh, the big playboy around town. I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. Let me show you everyone how rich I am. And all the women are attracted to me. And it's, you know, and then they had a number of years later, the casino bonds he sold down in New Jersey. And, you know, $900 million worth of bonds just going into the fall. And, you know, my granddad had been in the bond business and, you know, selling uh, bonds and, uh, you know, integrity was very important uh, in the old days uh, in, in the brokerage business. And I don't know who sold those casino bonds down in New Jersey for Donald Trump, but it was a disaster. And this is what I saw happening in New York when I arrived as a, as a young lawyer. They were leveraging up all these companies with leveraged buyouts and more and more debt on the deal, taking more and more risks with the creditor's money. 
and uh, you can watch the movies about uh, uh, you know the bonfire, the vanities, and all that. And this is the the world of Donald Trump. Uh, we had Donald Trump in real estate, and you had the wild people on, on Wall Street, the Michael Milken and his junk bonds, and it was all about debt, debt, that run up a lot of debt, borrow the money, lots of parties, people snorting cocaine on the trading floor at the brokerage firms. <laughs> And that culture was just it was just disgusting. And we started to see it in the 80s. And now these are the people who are running our economy, running our country out of the White House. Uh, and it, it's just disgusting. You've got a man who's got multiple bankruptcies, treated, treats his uh, tradespeople uh, like dirt. Uh, I mean, that's another thing. You know, the idea you treat your employees as if they're somehow uh, just dispensable. Um, yeah, Trump wasn't the only one. Remember Leona Helmsley? She's the other one. Oh, oh sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. They treat all the, only the little people pay taxes. Yep, I was in her mm-hmm. building a couple of months ago. Well, Richard, um, listen, it's been good to talk to you. I, you know, and I've got to know you better, okay? And I actually, you know, I feel closer to you because you shared a little bit. I mean, I didn't make a whole big crack into Richard Boehner, <laughs> but I got a little bit out of you. And... Um, and what I would, you know, I'm not a political consultant, okay? I don't know. I, I'm not a politician. But here's what I would tell you. I'd tell you talk more about you. Oh, thank you, Allie. You know, <laughs> and I would tell you um, to talk about our kids. Because if, if I was running a campaign, if I was giving anybody advice, it would be that we need to focus on the children. Because that's the one thing that everybody can agree on. Everyone, I don't care if you're red or blue or green or whatever, everyone wants a child to succeed. And what's happened in our country right now is that we have lost that transcending value where we all understand that our children need to succeed and we need to do whatever is necessary to help them succeed. That's the value. We've lost that. And so I would tell you, focus on that. That's what I want to do. I got three middle school age kids. It was a struggle watching those presidential debates back in 2016. Uh, and then, even worse, explaining to them the Wednesday after the election what had happened. Yeah. But we're moving forward. My kids are learning a lot, and I, I, we gotta, we gotta help our children. Uh, they're, they're the ones who're gonna help restore this democracy. Well, we absolutely do have to help our kids, and I'm, you know, I'm fearful. Because we are not investing in our children. We're not investing in our schools. We're not even talking about the need to invest. Heck, we're not even talking about investing in infrastructure anymore. Um, And so, well, listen, it has been a real pleasure to have you on the show. And um, I wish you uh, luck. And and, uh, if you make it past the primary, maybe we'll have you back and I'll talk you more about being an idealist, okay? Thank you so much, Ellie. All right. Thanks so very being very so so very much. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug. I just got done speaking with Richard Painter. Um, and uh, when I come back, uh, I will give my last segment talking a little bit about my work and being a practical idealist. Thanks so very much, listeners. We'll be back in a second. I wanna take the breath Trending electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Located just north of 50th in France, the Great Wall Restaurant has provided a delicious taste of authentic Chinese cuisine since 1981. Specializing in Sichuan and Peking dishes, they offer one of the most extensive menus in the Twin Cities. Favorites include hot and sour soup, pan-fried dumplings, and mushu pork with homemade Chinese pancakes. Stop by their Edina location or call for takeout at 952-927-4439. See the full menu at greatwallrestaurant.us. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. 
Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. Jeff Warner here for Warner Stellion to share my latest attempt to help you break up with your tired, inefficient appliances. Replace them. Get our guaranteed lowest price on beautiful, super efficient ones, plus 50 bucks for every appliance replaced. Plus, free delivery and basic installation from our trusted specialists and 18 months zero interest financing. This is a great deal, so we can only afford to extend this offer for a very short time. Don't wait. Choose Warner Stellion and save on incredible new appliances today. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Lowry Hill Meats, your neighborhood full-service butcher shop that works directly with family farms. Using whole animals gives Lowry Hill Meats the benefit of preparing custom cuts and dry aging. They offer beef, lamb, goat, pork, and poultry, including whole duck, roasting hens, turkey, quail, pheasant, and Cornish hens. Their sausages are made fresh in-house weekly using 40 rotating recipes. Try their handcrafted sandwiches. They are second to none. Lowry Hill Meats is located at 1934 Hennepin Avenue in Minneapolis or online at LowryHillMeats.com. How long till my soul gets it right? Can any human being ever reach that kind of light? I call on the resting soul of Galileo. And we are back on LA 2.0 Radio. Hello, listeners again. God, I love being live. You know, you have right now about four and a half minutes if you ever want to call and talk to me because I don't know when I'll be doing a live show ever again. So it's 952-946-6205. That was a um, educational interview with Richard Painter. He is a um, very interesting guy. I mean, I really uh, respect him in many ways. Uh, but, you know, you got to really dig. And people, um, I, I like people who are willing to talk about themselves who are willing maybe to share about what's going on in their head because it tells us so much about them. And by the way, then we realize, well, hey, you know what? I'm just like you. Okay, so the theme here is about politics. Um, people have asked me, I've had people ask me, Ellie, when are you going to run? When are you going to run for something? And, uh, and, and I've had people say, <laughs> you know, Matt McNeil's like, God, Ellie, if you run, I'm—, I'm I, you know, you got my vote, and and uh, that was so sweet of him to say that one day. Um, but I'm not going to do that, and I'll tell you why. Um, you know, I'm a transgender woman. I get, I I speak and train across America about what it means to be human. And if I ran as a politician, if I had to run for some office, I would not be able to talk about our common humanity. No, I'd have to be, you know, and I, I'm also a unifier, not a divider. And, and I'd have to start splitting things, splitting people, splitting issues. And I, I, I don't want to do that. I would what much rather talk about what it means to be human. And I want to put, you know, I absolutely seek to put humanity back into the word human. And I don't believe I could do that if there was a political label attached to me. You know, I get to go into rooms across North America where I know I'd never be invited if I was a politician running for something. 
You know, and I don't need to sell a platform to make the pitch about all of us needing to be more compassionate for each other and for ourselves. The only thing I need to really sell is the idea that we are all struggling to survive the human condition. And, you know, that's not a real sexy political campaign fundraising kind of tagline, but it is a tagline that helps everybody understand that we're not in this alone. So that's why I'm not running. That's why I will never probably ever run uh, for uh, a political office, although recently I ran for my condo board at my building in downtown Minneapolis, and I actually got elected, so there you go. You know, um, uh, I am an idealist. Uh, it's, it's, it's good to hear that uh, Richard Painter has always spoken up. I mean, even at Yale Law School, and, and he did not see, he didn't talk about this about himself, but by speaking up at Yale, he was making a name for himself, but he was also putting himself at risk with professors and grades and people who controlled things. But he, he did that. He wasn't afraid to do that. And I, it was good to hear about his grandfather. And, and we have lost our way as we as it is about understanding perspective. You know, we have a generation that's never really been through war, that's never been through loss. And, and, and you know, yeah, it's really easy to focus on yourself when you don't ever have the perspective of understanding how the world can be when you don't focus on others. Last quote from Paul Wellstone. Quote, I dare to imagine a country where every child I hold in my hands are all God's children, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of whether a boy or a girl, regardless of religion, regardless of rich or poor, that every child I hold in my hands will have the same chance to reach her full potential or his full potential. This, that is the goodness of our country. That is the essence of the American dream, unquote. That's why I talked to, to Richard uh, Painter about the need to focus on our children. That is what I can do as Ellie Krug, human. I don't think I'd be able to do that as Ellie Krug, politician. I need to give a big thanks right now. It's been an interesting show. A big thanks to our sponsors, the Pride Institute, which is a drug and alcohol residential and outpatient recovery center, and Brightening Electrolysis. Tell Bev I sent you. She does great work. We need more sponsors. If you could do that, if anybody wants to sponsor the show, I would love it. A big thanks to my producer, Brett Johnson, who got up early and rode his bike here so early. And to you listeners, please, I'd love to hear from you at Ellie Krug, lejkrug at gmail.com. Thanks so very much for listening to the show. 